We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a special edition of The Vault. It is Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, and John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta just finished up kind of a marathon press conference from Indianapolis, from the Combine. Uh, they got into a ton of stuff, but before we get into all that, so so the special kind of vault, we're going to record all that, try to get it up in a timely manner. This will take the place of a Wednesday morning vault, but before we get into that, Bobby, just to be transparent, you weren't able to watch it because you were doing some pretty exciting behind the scenes stuff for us that we can't announce yet. But man, I just, oh, I love, I love you. I love you doing this behind the scenes <laughs> stuff for us. <laughs> I love you too. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, <laughs> I've learned not to tease things. I'm not that's telling right. anybody anything. All right. That's, that's the bottom line. If we haven't learned anything else in the last uh, week or so, but yeah, we, I'm really excited about what we have in the works for the NFL draft. We've wanted to do an in-person event for a long time and we have done, we've, we've had some fun with those. We experimented of course in Vegas last year, we had a huge wall to wall five hour, if not six hour draft live stream that was virtual. And now hopefully if this comes to fruition, we'll have an in-person venue for you to join in on. So again, nothing's set in stone yet. So that's why we're just going to kind of, hold off but when when it is and I, and how many hats do you wear when you're when you're a, a one woman one man band we wear a lot of different hats and today i put on my business hat had a lot of great meetings and so hopefully something's coming up that we can share with you guys uh in the coming days maybe coming weeks so yeah appreciate that and let's get into this because as you as you mentioned you were all over the press conference mm -hmm. i was in in talks and business negotiations mode. with yep. business mode so i'm going to be learning a lot about this in real time which which is good though because i'm going to tee you up for certain questions that i have that maybe come up spontaneously and i'll really sure. be following your lead in this one sure okay so so i mean both guys spoke for over 20 minutes and we could go a lot of different directions. But Bobby, what I took away from both press conferences is I felt like I walked away understanding the general blueprint of what the Ravens are going to do roster-wise, maybe a little bit also kind of coaching-wise, but I think the big focus was roster-wise. So just to give you and the audience a big overview, I came away with kind of like six big things. I, and, and I'll just overview it and then – We'll take each point at a time to go in a little bit more detail and get some sound bites. But 
Number one, Bobby, and this I'm sure doesn't surprise you, the Ravens' top priority on defense is to sign Justin Matabike. They will not. Eric DaCosta made it, made it very clear. He's not leaving the Ravens in 2024. Now, on the flip side, the top priority on the offensive side, they use the word rebuild for the offensive line. And I think I have even more details of how they're going to be approaching that rebuild. The third thing, get ready for running back acquisitions. We should already know that because they only have two (laughs) running backs under contract in this moment. But again, I think I can get into details of how I think they're going to approach it by what they they said. So we'll get there. Number four, wide receiver position. A lot of content here. Main takeaway, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, they are going to be your top two guys. That being said, I get the feeling Eric DaCosta wants more. So more on that ahead. Number five, Eric DaCosta talked about Odafe Owe. They also talked about Rashad Bateman, but I got the feeling this is just speculation. You tell me once we get to the to the um, the sound bites. I got the feeling that they might exercise the fifth year option on him. Okay. And then six is more on the coaching side. First and foremost, they feel like they're going to have continuity on the defensive side, even though they lost a lot of defensive coaches, of, of course, including Mike McDonald. Uh, John Harbaugh talked about the continuity that they've had since 2008, and he's not wrong. But more importantly, on the offensive side. He said, we've got to do right by Lamar Jackson. And I'll explain what all that means ahead. But that's the general overview of kind of where these guys are headed this offseason. And then now we can dig into how are they going to do it. But any questions on your part with the overview? When wide receivers were asked about, were there any tweets that followed? (laughs) You mean like a repeat last year of Rashad Bateman quote retweeting me? That literally set the stage for an entire offseason of drama because that was the same exact day that the the NFLPA-led surveys were released. That was an insane day. So so big picture, we learned a lot, but it wasn't as dramatic as last year. Is that – are we safe to say that? Yes, Bobby, this (laughs) – not only because of what you're pointing out with Rashad Bateman, but also because there's not the Lamar Jackson contract. Like this, I'm sure for Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh, this was a walk (laughs) – in the park compared to what they had to deal with last year. So far, completely drama-free, but at the same time, I think they were just effusively positive about everybody. Okay. So it would only, if you're going to get a retweet, it's like, oh, thanks for like the compliments. And then that wouldn't, that's not, that doesn't create headlines, right? So no, definitely a walk in the park for these two. So starting up above, one other, well, I should say one other thing, overview, before I get into the first point, which is Matabike. Eric DaCosta was asked, I think it was the second question, hey, the NFL ended up giving more money than expected to the salary cap, which is now 255. Many had predicted around 245. And so it's kind of like, Eric, what are you going to do with all that money? And he made it clear from the jump, don't expect me to go on a spending spree. Here we go. I mean, it was nice to see that number. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to just open up the books and go shopping, I, I think. That's not really the Ravens' way. But to have that buffer, so to speak, and to give us a little bit more flexibility along the way, it helps us this year, but it also helps us in the coming years as we project what we think that salary cap is going to be moving out in years 25 and 26 as well. So it does give you a little bit of a picture of the landscape of football 
and what that means salary cap wise from a roster building standpoint. I think we're excited about the potential that we have to be a good team this year. And we think that uh, we'll have some flexibility to remain good in the coming years. Reaction, Bobby? That's what I would have expected. They're just going to, they're going to still be organizationally sound, fundamentally sound based on their beliefs. And, and if you thought that, but like Brian McFarlane noted during one of our earlier episodes, it does give them for the reasons that he outlined, you know, more flexibility to use Eric's words, whether that's bringing in a free agent, whether that might be not having to make some really tough decisions cap casualty wise, right? right. Maybe not be forced to restructure guys. And there was a bunch of different reasons that, that Brian, Bing, outlined. I think you just nailed, I, because he talked about how it's really going to give them flexibility down the road. Not only, I think it's partly because, okay, well now, since we're already at two fifty five, and each year they try to project what, what, what each year it's going to be. So now it's like, Ooh, we thought maybe that's an extra $5 million for projections going down. But also, to your point right there about restructures, he's saying it's going to give us flexibility in the future because now he's like, maybe I don't have to restructure as much as I once thought I would have to. Right, right. And kick yep. the can down the road. So Exactly. Okay. All right. So number one, here we go. Justin Matabike. That's the, that's the, the deadline, the franchise tag window deadline is one week from today. Tuesday, 4 o'clock. Here's what is going on behind the scenes with Matt Abike. Remember also, sorry, wanted to say, remember he wouldn't even answer the question last time. He's like, I've, I have found that through the Lamar Jackson contract that it's really doesn't behoove me to talk about it. At the end of season press conference. At the end of season press conference. So at least this time he actually gave a little bit more information. <laughs> Well, we're trying to get a deal done. You know, we've had discussions with Justin. He's the guy that obviously has put himself in a fortuitous position this year by the way that he played. Had a great season for us. He's a valued player on the team, and we're hopeful that we can get a long-term deal done. Fortuitous. Fortuitous. <laughs> That's another way of saying Matabike has a lot of leverage. <laughs> He's got command over what we're doing right now, no doubt. <laughs> like the Ravens have the franchise tool for sure, but he's got a lot of leverage when it comes to the long-term contract. Yep. And then sure. he went on, he later, at the very last question, it was like uh, PR, PR was like, all right, thanks, Eric. And we was trying to let him go. And I think it was Jerry Sandusky. At least it sounded like his voice. I could be wrong. But Jerry's like, throws in one more question. He's like, hey, I know you said you want to re-sign Matabike, but if you can't, we'll use the franchise tag. And then EDC just got to the point, I probably will, yes. Okay, okay. okay. way to get so, down to the bottom of it, Jer. <laughs> way to get to the bottom of it. So, again, the deadline is next Tuesday. If Matabike wants to bet on himself again and maybe play the year on the franchise tag or just say, or they just need more time, and, and it may not happen until right before the season or something like that. Um, basically, there still will need to be cap casualties, even with the extra money that's on the salary cap. And so between now and Tuesday, and it's a deadline-driven league, we're going to hear about these cuts. We've had the predictions. Morgan Moses, Tyus Bowser, uh, maybe Ricard, or, or, or like a pay cut with Ricard, but... I would think Moses and Tyus Bowser would be the top two, and I think that we could hear news on that in the next week. One of the things that definitely stood out to me as we kind of shift gears to your your second takeaway here is the the rebuild word that was attached to the mm -hmm. offensive line because for reasons we've already mentioned in recent weeks, outside of Tyler Linderbaum, there is a ton of uncertainty, not only based on future situations with the team, but pending free agents you know, next month. So they agree, apparently. 
They definitely agree. And I feel like Harbaugh was like the, was the one that was most um, upfront about using the word rebuild. So here he goes. Yeah, the draft can help a lot. Uh, certainly with the offensive line, Jeff. Uh, I guess it's a good, well, I just started watching it. So I, I, it's so far so good, you know, and Eric tells me it's a good old line draft. Uh, that's one thing, but the offensive line is where it starts. We talked about that in 2008. It's been true forever. You know, you went in the trenches first, right? So uh, we, we think that we're offensive line centric in our philosophy. And uh, we've got some question marks in our offensive line. So there's going to be some rebuilding that's going to have to be done in there. And we, we're getting to it already. Uh, it's going to be really probably the most important thing we do on offense. All right, thanks, the most important thing we do on offense. Like wow. they're just, they're, they're, and a lot of people like, oh, this is, remember, Liars Luncheon is the one right before the draft because they don't want other teams to know what they're drafting. But they're a li they're much more forthright when it comes to, like, combine time and then end of season pressure, all that kind of stuff. And so um, Eric DaCosta, we didn't get this clip, but he went into more detail about how to address it. Like, it for sure, I, not to say that there can't be free agent veteran signings, but he for sure is going to be leaning into the draft. And so he also said there would be a rebuild. And he's like, but it kind of remains to be seen what that looks like, which again says to me, draft, draft, draft. And he was like, we're lucky because the draft is deep. And he said both at offensive tackle and at guard. So he wasn't leaving guard off at all, right? Even though they like the cupboard isn't bare there, they have some options. So like, you know, we've talked about it, Voorhees, um, Ben Cleveland, Sala, uh, those three guys there. So um, McCary can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, McCary can do a little, little bit of everything. But yeah, yeah. So he was like, he was, he seemed to be really happy. And, he, and when he was talking about the rebuild, he's like, the draft is going to basically said the draft is going to help me, is going to be helping me rebuild. Seems I mean, to me really like, really like it. Seems to me like they're bracing for change here a little bit, but that they're in a good position to do so, given that depth, given that talent uh, at that position. So that's good. I, yeah. We, we, okay. we knew this to, to hear them reaffirm it. It's like, okay, here we go. Like, this is something you got to be on the lookout for the next couple months, what their plans could be. Yep. Okay. So, so far we've got not going on a spending spree, but the money we do spend is going to be on tagging Matavike essentially. Then we're going to rebuild the, the offensive line mainly through the draft. Okay. Now what about running backs? Is that going to be draft centric? Uh, no. What? Listen to this. Well, we need more than two running backs. So certainly I think you'll see us make a couple of acquisitions along the way. Uh, we think Keaton Mitchell is going to come back from his knee injury. Uh, Justice is a player last year, probably one of the unsung heroes of our whole team, I would say. Um, you know, we're still talking to Gus. Uh, we'll talk to JK, a couple of free agents that we had. Um, hopeful that we can get something done with those guys. Uh, we've looked at the draft class, probably not, you know, as deep as some other positions that we'll see in this year's draft class. There are some UFAs this year in the draft. I mean, in free agency, some talented players that we will look at as well. But I think it's probably safe to say that we'll have more than two running backs on the roster at some point, and we will definitely have a plan for that position. Okay, so this doesn't mean that they can't draft a running back or that they won't add any through the draft or um, rookie undrafted free agency. I think they could, but he's like, yeah, it's not super deep. Right. Not super deep. So you can't rely on it as much. Now, this part could be like a liar luncheon thing because he will not say what he wants in the draft. <laughs> but I will say I got a little bit of a feeling bluff isn't the right word when talking about JK and Gus. It's not the right word. I think that they're definitely leaving the door open for them. Right. Yeah. Because who knows what's going to happen in free agency? And it might be that they do circle back around with them. But 
My feeling was more that they were speaking highly of them because they're Ravens and they want them to be able to go out and get the best deal that they can, can, can get, whether it's with the Ravens or not. And, um, and so I don't know. It just, even though he said he's talking to them, I just felt like it was more out of like respect because they've been on the team and we're not going to like write them off and say no. Cause it's not like, like, like the Patrick queen situation, right? Everybody's pretty certain he's going to get big time money. Like he's going to get paid, but you can't say that about Gus and JK. So it's like, there's a chance they might still be around. And then depending on what happens elsewhere, maybe the Ravens will need to do that. Uh, but it just didn't seem to, to me, I don't know. I just don't know that they're like options number one and two. Like to me, I still feel like, and maybe I'm reading into it based off of my preconceived notions, but I still think in the the one place they could really get a bigger name free agent would be running back because that market isn't does isn't as wild as some of the other positions. Yeah. So maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe you have a different interpretation, but to me it was more like he's speaking respectfully and leaving the door open rather than saying, yeah, we really want to go get him. We both picked up on the same exact thing. It was right okay. in the middle part of the sound bite. We're hopeful that we can get something done with JK and Gus or something yeah. along those lines. And it was in the middle of, well, the big takeaway obviously was that, Hey, you, you might be able to expect a couple of veteran uh, acquisitions right. <laughs> between, between now and, and whenever. And then in the middle of it, we're hopeful. We're hopeful yeah. about JK and Gus. I'm like, wait, what? Gus, yeah. Gus was part of the, the group that, you know, didn't make that, that night, that February 19th deadline area. So yeah, you know, that's he, my thing is it's like, uh, you know, I won't, I won't like bash EDC for it, but to me, it's like, if you sign Gus, now, instead of before his dead money, and now you're paying for his dead money uh, and Gus, that would be an un, it would be like an un EDC type move. And it would be like a, you know, a small, like knock on his resume, I feel like. Very small. That, that very small middle, knock, but it's not. <laughs> that middle part of the soundbite about those two just felt lip servicey. Just there felt a little. That, that's a good word for it, lip servicey. Like, and I don't even know if service is a word. It was lip service. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I just, I don't take much stock in it whatsoever, but it's right. something that you can understand why he, why he said that. So anyway, we're, we're getting into the psych a lot, you know, the, the, the psychology side of things, but you kind of have to well, during these types like of things. Reading between the lines thing, which is what I think we're, we need to do. Like that's, yes. I feel like that's part of our job is to like lay out, you know, what we think is happening and, Absolutely. and interpreting. What, what they say. And and hopefully we're like somewhere in the ballpark because I've been listening to these guys talk for more than a decade. So right. I'd like to think I can speak Harbaugh and I can speak EDC, but right. Right. I'm not always, I'm not, I don't bat a hundred percent though. So we'll see. Neither do I, but my, the, that one, one final takeaway, just to reiterate it, the fact that he doesn't feel like it's a deep draft class at running back. Remember that. Remember that it really could, he, he may not be lying or bluffing or, you know, providing lip service when it comes to those acquisitions. So I know yeah, and we, we spent all week. I, I do expect a rookie running back on the roster. I'm just sure, saying sure. not to be like the number, number one option, you know, and sure. like while we're waiting for Keaton Mitchell to come back, you know? Yep. So, absolutely. all right. So moving on to wide receiver. Let's do it. Okay. So first and foremost, it was reiterated. Zay and Rashad Bateman are going to be the top two guys. Okay. They're like, Zay speaks for himself. We all know what he did. We all see the ascension, all of that. But here's John Harbaugh very passionately speaking about Rashad Bateman. 
Well, I think Rashad Bateman is going to take a big step just off the top of my head. You know, I think Rashad's going to get opportunities this year. He ran routes really well. He worked super hard. He was healthy for the first time. Even as the year went on, he got healthier. And you could see it in his play. Uh, the ball got to him when he did. He made some great plays. The ball's going to get to him a lot more next year. He's going to be ready to go. Uh, we got Nelson back. Nelson is a big signing back. He played a big role last year. Of course, Zay, speaks, he speaks for himself. Uh, we got Ty in there. Ty did, did a good job. Uh, then you never know with a guy like Odell. I know that's probably a question people are asking. I've got my fingers crossed. We'll see. That's kind of out there. Those are those things that kind of kind of answer themselves in time. I love our tight ends as receivers. So uh, all that is really part. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Harbs decided to, to bring up OBJ unprompted. It shows you where he's at in the offseason. He's such a chiller guy, you know, with the media in the offseason. He's a lot less rigid, uh, especially with injuries and, and whatnot, even though I don't, I don't think he talked about injuries so per se, but... But yeah, he's he's a lot more forthcoming, I guess, or forthright is what you said. <laughs> yeah, like he's like very like transparent about what he's kind of hoping for, you know what I mean? And so on the Rashad Bateman stuff, I believe that one thousand percent. I think they're gonna give him uh more looks and I think he's gonna move up in the um progressions. And I think that's in big part because um, well, OBJ's not not gonna be around, even though even though I, I to be to be honest with you. I think Harbaugh really would like to have OBJ. I back. bet. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Like, and 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 I didn't pull this sign sound bite, but Eric DaCosta talks about OBJ also. Their and he friendship said, actually, and, yeah. yeah, he's like, actually, we just texted. He's like become a great friend of mine. And remember, Beckham is like talked glowingly about the Ravens. Like he loved his, despite not getting a huge target share, he loved being with the Ravens. Yep. And so I think that's more why they're leaving it open is my, my gut tells me that OBJ is going to explore his options as he does every off season. And he's going to try to find the right mix of a team that could give him a chance to get a ring. Cause you know, he still wants that, yeah. but also who's going to like ring. Yeah. 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 Because he has said that like, while he has that first ring, 
it didn't feel complete to him because he was injured in that game. Yeah. And so he'll always have that. He's a Super Bowl winner, but he has said that it just didn't feel, you know, totally complete. So if he goes out to the market and he's just not getting big money thrown his way like the Ravens did last offseason, then, you know, maybe he could be back. Maybe he could say, you know what? I want to give it another try. We made it to the AFC Championship game. I love Lamar. I'm cool with moving to more of like a slot role and still letting Bateman become that number two guy. And so, uh, but I'll just say this. I think it's more like a 10% chance, but I think because they love each other so much, that's why I still give it like a 10% chance. Otherwise, like the financials and the target share, none of that really makes sense. So it's like just if if other options don't open up like he'd like to, maybe he'd like to come back and be with Lamar and these guys again. Did Eric so. touch on the specifics at all of, of Nelly's financials? Eric did not. He more touched on why they wanted to bring back Nelly. Um, so I'll hit on that. Well, Nelly was a guy that we brought in last year. We had studied him for years. I had studied him coming out of USC and, you know, always liked his game, felt he was a, a valued guy for us. We knew a lot about his personality. He brought a lot to the table this year as a player, but also as a leader. Uh, he was great for that receiver room, the way that he conducted his business every day, the way that he practiced every day. The guys that saw him out there every single day know that he had tremendous intangibles and brought a lot to the table. So for us to talk to him and get that done, I think he's been a lot of different places, understood what it felt like to be a Baltimore Raven, and he wanted to come back. We knew that, and we were excited to have him back. So that's cool. I like that he wanted to be back and he had pointed out like it's the same with OBJ. You've been a few places. You've been around the league and then you come to the Ravens and you're like, oh, this is nice. I kind of like it here, you know, and uh, and I agree with him. Like he he is uh, with like more of a 90 percent chance that OBJ won't be back. They did want that veteran presence. And Nelly brings it. Which play was it, Bobby, that Nelly went into the huddle and he wants a certain play because he feels like he right? can, Jacksonville yeah it might be Jacksonville and he's like I think I can draw the safety over to my side and says that one of those two games uh, I don't Sorry. remember but he yeah. goes to, he goes to Lamar and says hey I think I can pull the safety out and then Zay will be right open if you if you are looking for Zay and then it happened and I think that's what EDC is talking about just the way he knows the game he studies the game he's like selfless and setting up Zay like let me let me be the decoy, you know what I mean? Like, uh, just, just, I, I, I just love the resigning, especially for the cost. So, um, Rams, so Rams game. I'm so curious. I think it was like, yeah, I think it was the Rams game. Anyway, that was such okay. a speaks. It's like Exhibit A for what he is. You know, he's yeah. just he is your glue guy. Uh, he is the definition of a, of a glue guy. Yeah, and so, so that's. The start of it, I think for sure they're going to be like Zay and Bateman's are our top two. Nelly's our veteran number three. But we're not done. And Eric DaCosta talked about how he's not going to be done. Now, I'm not – let me reiterate. He's not going to be a big spender. He's not going to be. So we got to get the Mike Evans out of our minds. You know, the – I can't remember who else is out there. We went through the whole thing. But we got to get him out Ridley, of mind. Calvin Ridley. Calvin um... Ridley. Yeah, there's a bunch of names that are out right. there that would be hefty price tags. Hefty. And it's just like, I'm not saying they won't sign a veteran, but if they do, I think it'd be more like a back end, like I 
like I pulled up like Noah Brown or something like that, that would be like two, maybe around two and a half or 3 million, maybe something like that. That being said, I really like this soundbite from Eric. And again, I think he's telling the truth. I think always. I mean, I think that's a critical position. I think the uh, the data supports that. And that's a position, too, where some of these guys are like race cars. They break down at times. And so having a depth at that position is critical. We saw that this year. We think we built the room out pretty well this year and we're able to sustain some injuries along the way. Uh, so we will look at that. I think it's a very, very deep year in the draft. Uh, this draft class is, is pretty impressive from a receiver standpoint. Uh, we'll assess that talent and see what kind of falls our way and then look at the free agency crop as well. I, I, listen, I love that race car analogy only because he's right. Like how many times, I mean, he's just speedy, speedy guys. Pull a hammy. It's like a cornerback, right? Like they're not like these, you know, they're just fast, like moving all the time, running all the time, getting hit all the time. Like, you know, getting hit as you're trying to go get a catch. I mean, it's just so easy to get hurt there. So I hope he means that. I hope he means it when he says we want to have depth to be able to absorb these injuries because obviously right now they don't have it. I don't have confidence for a Tylen Wallace to be like a fill-in guy for like four games if if yeah. the Ravens needed it. You know what I mean? Yep. Nelly, I could see him moving to number two, but I wouldn't like Tylen at number three. I wouldn't like that. And so – uh, we talked about this in yesterday's episode. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has 11 wide receivers in his top 50 players for this draft. That is by far the most at any position. We talked about how Field Yates was like you could get an elite guy at eight, but yep. just under elite at 38. And so I 100% expect the Ravens to pick up a wide receiver. And I won't say that he'll for sure pick one in the first round, but I will say this. he's Picked a, a wide receiver in three in the first round, three of his four drafts. <laughs> Hollywood, Bateman, uh, Zay, Zay, and Zay. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was the draft where he got Linderbaum and and uh, Hamilton. Not a, so, not a bad one. <laughs> not a bad. It'd be crazy for him to go four out of five years that he picks a first round receiver. But the point is, like we talked about, you could still get a stud in the third round. How many people have busted out in the sec from the second round? Like. Now, the Ravens don't have a track record of that, but they also didn't have a track record of hitting on the first round. And here we're talking about two former first-rounders becoming starters this year, yeah. going to be the, the top two starters. So I'm having faith that EDC can turn that around, and I would love for him to get a stud that can actually push Nelly and maybe even push Bateman for a number two spot. That's not like the plan to get somebody that pushes Bateman because they clearly are like saying he's number two. But if a stud comes in and just starts going off, then that just happens, you yeah. know? And I would love to get a stud that can push both those two guys. Before we turn the page on the wide receiver position, we know that the legal investigation by Baltimore County Police of the Zay Flowers domestic violence uh, allegation is closed, right? That, that, that investigation's been closed. But as we learned through an NFL spokesperson that Jeff Zarebic spoke to, the NFL's review of it is still ongoing. So that the reason why I'm bringing this up is because of the fact that the NFL side of things is still ongoing. Did anybody follow up on that with, with EDC or Harbs? It was the first question of the press conference oh, to really? Eric DaCosta. And Eric DaCosta said, um, I think we made a statement on that. Obviously, domestic violence is something we are deeply concerned about. And we will continue to assess the situation as it unfolds, close yeah. quote. So that was his full quote. Yeah. There's something I kind of like, I just want to address really quickly on this because 
I've seen a lot of people state that the Ravens policy on this is zero tolerance. Mm. And in some ways that's true, right? Like if they, if they for sure know that, that domestic violence has happened, then I think in that sense, it might be zero tolerance, but I want to clear this up because I got a few people responding to this tweet that I put out and you can disagree with the policy, but I just want to make sure that we understand what the policy is with the Ravens. And it's not changing suddenly in 2023 or 2024 because their star wide receiver was investigated. And by the way, we always should remind people that he was investigated and there were no charges. So, but I I bring you back to 2015 because I remember recovering this at the time. And it was an off season where the Ravens had, cut like immediately three players that had run-ins with the police for diff- for various reasons. And, um, and so at the um, owners meetings that year, Dick Cass spoke, the former president and, and it was, Jam- I, don't know, I think it was Jameson. Yeah. Jameson Hensley, you asked Dick Cass about the zero tolerance po- policy and Cass said, quote, we have to look at each case individually we look at a number of factors and make a decision based on those factors. It's not a zero tolerance policy at all. We're still going to be willing to take second chances on people if they deserve it. I think it's a mischaracterization to say it's a zero tolerance policy. Close mm. quote. So I just wanted to put that out there because um, I just hear people in the media all the time saying, oh, they have a zero tolerance policy. And I, and, and I understand why that comes, especially after the Ray Rice uh, situation all these years ago. But even with that, they still understand that it's like we can't, even though that's out there, we have to find out what happened. It can't just be, you know, that there's an investigation or it can't be that there's an allegation. And then we just automatically cut when there's like, like I'm trying to think of um, what was the Buffalo Bills punter? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. A riser. Yeah. And like he had allegations and he got cut immediately and then turned out the allegations were false. And I think just a few months ago, they re-signed him. And it's like, I think he landed in Kansas City. Oh, was it Kansas City? Well, he he got re-signed somewhere and it's kind of like, oops. And so anyway, I do not want to minimize at all domestic violence um, because I do know that like, as I talked about in a past show, that it's hard for women to you know, report it. It's uh, not abnormal to wait some time to do it. There's fear involved. There's, there's anyway, the whole thing is very complicated, which is why I think it's necessary to have a more nuanced policy, which is that it's not like, oh, there's an investigation, you're cut, regardless of what the investigation finds. So I just wanted to put that out there that, that that's, this is more representative of what the Ravens policy is. No, that's exceptional digging into that. I mean, that's, that's titled, yeah, that's March 23rd of 2015 there from Jameson. So like yeah. you said, that just despite, you know, Dick no longer being a part of the organization, he's, he's retired. You'd have to think that carries through to the next yeah, you know, leadership. And- Dick and Bashadi and, and all, and Ozzy and everybody's on, on the same page for sure. So, yep. And by the way, okay. Ariza did, he did sign with the Kansas city chiefs. Oh, you were right. In December. And then back in, in 2021 is when a 17 year old girl, uh, alleged rape. So it's been a tough couple of years for him and, and he is fully cleared, but now he's getting another shot. He's going to do so with the reigning champs. So, there we go. It can, I mean, there's, it can, you can mishandle it in so many different ways and you just have to like take the facts as they come for sure. 
All right. So moving on to the next thing, this one, this one's more brief. So the Ravens um, in May have to make a decision on fifth year options. Uh, I, now, even though Harbaugh raved about Bateman and think and saying he's, he's going to have a big season. I, it just wasn't enough for me to say, yeah, they're for sure going to sign or extend him to a fifth year option. They didn't come out and say that about off Odafe Owe either, but it's still my gut that they will. Here's EDC almost kind of defending Odafe Owe and kind of the, the the lack of sacks. Well, we were really happy with this game this year. You know, I think sometimes people get really caught up on the, the number of sacks that people get. We prefer to look at pressures and disruptions and the ability that they affect the game. And Odafe's probably one of the hardest working players we have on our defense. He's got a great motor, plays with a, a passion. Uh, he's an exciting young prospect. He has battled back for some injuries, and we think that uh, this is going to be a great season for him. We're very, very excited about what he brings to the table this year as one of our primary edge rush guys. You know, Sarah, he, he refers to him as a prospect there, and you, you can remember that uh, part of he and David Ajabo's unique stories of where they come from is that they were super late bloomers, like very mm. late bloomers to play in the game of football. And you add that into some of the injuries that he's that he's dealt with, but he's just 25 years old, and so in a sense, yeah, you could view him as like wor being worthy of that kind of price tag because hey, we're gonna bet on this guy's development, we're gonna bet on this guy's work ethic, we're gonna bet on the the between the lines things that he just mentioned, like the sacks, like the disruptions, like the effort, like the the, the motor, and all those things that you don't necessarily track or isn't sexy like the sack statistic is so yeah i'm with you I, I it feels like he's deserving of that in their eyes and that he's going to get that fifth year option accepted it's just, uh, and i can't exercise. i can't help but think about both patrick queen and uh matabike where i think the ravens felt like both of them were going to break out and so if they feel like that's going to be odafe then you got to give him the fifth year option whereas i just don't think you can make that bet on rashad bateman yet even though they're no. going to give him more opportunities but i will say this I appreciate EDC going going out for his guy, and and I do agree that sometimes media and the fan base overlook pressures and all that kind of stuff. But come on, I want the sacks. I want the sacks too. Like of course, like it it like it so does. Track. It's like a big difference. It, it like the pressures and all of that for sure have an impact on the play. But still. Give me a nice, you know, seven-yard loss with the sack and demoralization and all that. And I do want to see that from Odafe, and I do want to see more. And so uh, if he's healthy, uh, you know, I could see a Patrick Queen-like breakout, you know, maybe not a Matabike kind, maybe not 13 sacks, but that is what I want to see. I want to see because this is it. He's the premier guy. It's him and David Ajabo. Like, it's been invested. Do we have to keep going out and getting these one-year plug-ins? We'll probably have to get – something for sure but it's like it's it's your time it's your time to step up so um, what about this continued investment around lamar all right so basically just there was a question about offense and i actually want to build i want to dive into this morning a different episode it's just you know we're, we're doing overall but um john Hart was asked about the next step of the offense and he kind of gave a um a longer answer uh which i like the words they got to back it up but i like the words in february 
Uh, just now, I think it progressed naturally. We're just beginning. We're just starting. We're one year into this thing. There's so many. There's so many things that I feel like looking back on it now. We just they actually were baby steps. They were hard steps for us to take because it's a, it was a sea change in terms of offensive philosophy. Yet they were baby steps looking back on them. We have so so far to go. Lamar's excited. Todd's excited. All the coaches. We have a plan. We came out the very first day after the AFC Championship game talking about where we were going to go offensively. And I had a staff, a staff meeting about it, met with Todd, met with all the coaches individually, met with Lamar a couple days after that, met with different players. And we have a direction right now where we want to go. And we want to think we want to be tight. We want to be locked in. We want to understand how this offense applies to Lamar and our players. And we want to do right by our players. And we want to do right by Lamar and build the best operation that we can for him so, so his talents can really shine. And I think we're just starting with that. Want to do right by Lamar. That's what I think the fan base wants. And I'm glad it's nice to hear him say that. And I hear what he's saying. It was one year offense. So of course they're excited about going into year two and there's for sure truth to it all. And, and, but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be better, right? 2019 was like the first year under Roman and it never quite got better. So hopefully Todd Munkin can help evolve it to another um, step and but that's that's it. Like that is the whole reason why Har why why fans are kind of upset with Harbaugh. They can recognize what he's done for the culture of the Ravens. They can recognize all that kind of stuff. But it's like you have a two time MVP. You've got to win a Super Bowl and you've got to let him shine. And I'm glad that John Harbaugh recognized that we got to do right by Lamar because he is a generational player and it is. Okay, we'll get into it later, but but they got to back it up. You got to do right by Lamar. We got to get him a Super Bowl, and I hope that John is feeling that pressure. I hope Todd is feeling that pressure because we all want that from Lamar, and I think we all feel it to a certain degree. But they have some control over it, right? They have a lot of control over it. Not like Lamar has a lot of control over it, and so yes, let's do right by Lamar in twenty twenty four. Don't take being in win now mode, which they have been for years. Don't take it for granted. Because yeah. that can slip away, and it's going to get harder with his contract. You know, and to, you never know when injuries deal. are going to pop up again. And, and you never you know. know. And, yeah. and and they had a great clean slate of that, aside from Mark and J.K. And, and Keaton this year. You know, they were really really healthy overall. Marlon can be out of that category as well. So you know, I was thinking about that today. That was one of my gym thoughts today. Like the Ravens have been in win now mode for like several years now. That can change any minute, any minute. And so you just you just hope that they fully recognize that and, and understand it. So uh, what's the final note here? Because this is just some high praise hit. for, for just, Gino. Just, <laughs> just a quick hit. They had asked about Gino Stone, and Eric DeCosta said, Gino Stone might be the best seventh-round pick that we've ever had. What was what was Zach Sealer? He, he went, went out, out to Miami. On that one, huh? Yeah. Sealer, I think he was more like, I want to say he was like fifth. I know he was the last pick of Ozzie Newsom's draft class. Oh, I'm but I sorry, seventh. Seven. It is seven. So seven. he's up there. Some people are joking. Michael Campanero might not like that. But anyway, <laughs> Gino, go get your money, bro. Go get your money. Go, go, go set your family up for, for generations. So anyway, Zach. that's You're the right. overview. There's some other little things I'm sure we'll get back to later this week. Uh, but that's the overview. And I think that's where they're going to go. It's like not spend a lot of money. Get, get mad at BK, rebuild the O-line, add several running backs. I think partly with a big name running back uh get some some depth at, in uh, through the draft class get that fifth year option on Adolfo Owe and do right by Lamar that is the off season blueprint
Love it. Fantastic job putting all this together. Uh, we, we tag team well together often Love when it. it comes to building content, but today it was, uh, it was anything but, right? It was you building content. It was me handling the business side of things, which is fun. Right. It's fun to be in partnership with you for sure. So uh, shout out to OG patrons of ours who are supporting us through Patreon this month. We appreciate you both, Bryson and Big Fest 927 Thanks, guys. Uh, and if you guys are interested in doing the same out there, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast to get more involved and learn more about what we're offering here inside the channel this month through Patreon. So again, we'll hopefully we'll have some news for you in the coming days, coming weeks about what you can expect for this year's draft coverage. But just know uh, if you're interested in connecting with us in person, that could very well be an option on Thursday, April 25th. So that's all I'm going. I'm not going any farther. That's that we're going to, we're going to stick a pin in it before I start talking about things I shouldn't. So uh, showing some restraint, uh, unlike I have in, in recent days on here. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, uh, again, huge thank you to you for gathering and uh, compiling and building this entire episode. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this. Well, gosh, it's, it's a Wednesday. No, it's not. It's a Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening afternoon vault something along those yeah. lines we've got a special number this is uh in exchange for in place of uh, wednesday's morning vault so anyway we will next talk to you on thursday morning if not before thanks guys